Get ready to break free from conventional thinking. Welcome to Breaking Barriers, conversations on DEIB and talent, where we challenge the norm, ignite change, and shatter barriers to celebrate the power of diversity. Are you ready? And now, your host, the visionary leader and advocate for change, James Dyson Jr. Welcome to Breaking Barriers, conversations on DEIB and talent. I'm your host, James Dyson Jr. Our aim with this podcast series is to foster a deeper understanding of the challenges and opportunities in creating diverse and inclusive workspaces. We will bring together thought leaders, experts, practitioners who are actively breaking down barriers and driving positive change into this DEIB space. Are you ready to overcome some obstacles and drive meaningful change in the world of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging? If so, then this is the podcast for you. Breaking Barriers Conversations on DEB and Talent is the podcast you've been waiting for. Join us as we deep dive into pivotal topics, ignite inspiring conversations, and share actionable insights from thought leaders, experts, practitioners who are on the forefront of creating inclusive and diverse workspaces. Get ready to challenge the status quo, unlock the full potential of talent, and build a future where everyone feels valued, heard, and empowered. Tune in and be a part of the movement that's reshaping the landscape of DEIB and talent management. Together, let's break some barriers and create lasting change. So now, Let's talk a little bit about my background. So with a career that's been spanning over two decades, I've been in the field of talent acquisition, trying to leave my mark on diverse industries from government contracting to commercial enterprises, technology-based corporations, manufacturing, healthcare, legal, and consulting firms. I've been in a lot of places, a lot of places. For over 20 years, I've worked to hone my skills in talent acquisition, working with my deep understanding of the intricacies and nuances in each industry, having a keen ability to navigate the complex landscape of finding the right talent, matching individuals with the right opportunities, and forging those connections that drive organizational success. I think what truly sets me apart is my unwavering dedication to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. For more than 15 years, I've been at the forefront of championing diverse talent acquisition, working tirelessly with companies, ELTs, executives, managers from a varied backgrounds, both nationally and internationally. My efforts have transcended geographical borders, ensuring that organizations embrace a global perspective and capitalize on the wealth of talent from all the corners of the world. I've tried to be instrumental in fostering inclusive cultures within organizations, encouraging dialogue, dismantling biases, and promoting equitable practices. By creating a nurturing environment where every individual feels valued, respected, and empowered, I've tried to play a pivotal role in cultivating workplaces that thrive on diversity and innovation. With my breadth of expertise across multiple industries combined with my unwavering dedication, I feel that makes me a pretty good person to speak 
and talk about how I can help organizations seek to build a diverse and dynamic and forward-thinking workforce. So as we get into it, let me introduce my partner who's helping me on this journey here, Mr. Benjamin Mena. And you have heard Mr. Mena from his amazing podcast, The Elite Recruiter. So Benjamin, I appreciate you joining me here on my podcast as we get started to talk about DEVI and as, as you're helping me here to get through this. So introduce yourself and we'll go from there. James, I am so excited to be able to help you with this podcast because the importance of what you are helping bring to the table. And I also like, I've seen some of the guest lists that you're the like, future guests that are about ready to come on. These are important conversations that are really going to move companies. So James, just excited to help you launch. And if you're looking for me, look for the Elite Recruiter Podcast. I really just help share stories within the recruiting space and really just help to level up the entire community. So James, as we do a deep dive, before we actually, before we do the deep dive into yeah. DIB, let's go farther into your background. Like, how did you even get started into the recruiting space? I think a lot of times, you know, it's every recruiter has different stories about how they got there. But the one commonality with all of recruiters is that none of us plan to be here. We, we, we all somehow landed in recruiting. It, it either a job opportunity came up. Somebody said, hey, you would be pretty good at this. Company's position closed down and they just moved you into this. Whatever it, it, it came to be, nobody ever went to college and planned to say, hey, I'm going to come out and be a corporate recruiter for corporations or, or any type of industry from there. So my story began when I came out of college. I had majored in exercise science, physiology. So I was coming out being a athletic trainer for high schools. I ended up working at a local sports facility and just found out that it really, it wasn't fulfilling. I enjoyed helping people. I enjoyed doing things, but it wasn't really fulfilling. And being in the, in the DC area at the time, rent wasn't getting covered a lot. So I needed to go do something that was a little bit more lucrative. And, and I ended up going to a marketing firm for about a year. And one of the sales guys said, Hey, I like how you connect with individuals. And I think that you would be a good fit for my buddy's company. He's doing recruiting. Have you ever done it? Before? I was like, no, never, never from that aspect. So met and talked with the, with the guy that got me started. And it was a small IT telecom company that is staffing agency that I, I, I got going with there and really cut my teeth there. So I was the, I was the only recruiter on their telecom side and Hired everything from telco pullers, line pullers to, you know, telecommunications engineers. I was an account manager. I think I was a dispatcher. It was kind of a jack of all trades that I had there. But I, I came out of that and went to a legal placement firm for a little while. And that was an interesting world. That's, that's, that's where I kind of learned that there's a lot of, there's a lot of dirty secrets in recruiting. <laughs> as to what you can, what you can't do, what you should and you shouldn't say, but it definitely was an eye-opening experience working there. And then I went to Accenture and I'll, that's one of the ones I'll call out by name because I think Accenture gave me the largest breadth of experience. Started in the government, um, state and local space 
did everything from IT recruiting to consulting recruiting to, you know, early new hire campus recruiting. I lived in Austin for about two years doing state and local hiring engineers, managing a recruiting team there. So I got so much experience there. I started, I helped started the Accenture National Security Services, which when they got into the the world of clearances. So started hiring clearances for, for Accenture there. And I really kind of understood the, the process that went into talent acquisition there, saw how it worked, saw how it worked for a very large company. And then that also kind of built the framework for how I think about talent acquisition moving forward and there. It was also my first kind of dive into the space of, of diversity, equity, and inclusion because I had a, a mentor there that was one of the champions of DEI at Accenture. And so I did a lot of work with him there. And that's where I kind of got my understanding that if you're doing government contract recruiting, by default, you're doing a lot of DEI work just based on the requirements, reporting requirements that you would have to do for EEOC and OFCCP. So you, you kind of get into DEI by default that way. But then from there, it became a real passion of mine because my, you know, my, my dad back when he was in college was, would sit in or did the sit-ins kind of down there in North Carolina. So I would hear stories from him and just, you know, my, my mom's passion for always wanting to take care of people. You know, she, she, she was the person that would come in and, you know, it was just kind of like, you know, make sure, are you okay? How are you feeling today? Do you need something to eat? Do you need something? Do you need something? Do you need something? And so I think the combination of those two created this, this, this love of, of, you know, helping people out who don't necessarily have all of the advantages that others have. Um, and that's, that's what kind of got me into this world of DEI. And then obviously through my multitude of different experiences throughout my career, it's developed and it's shaped over time to kind of where I am now. Now, for the listeners, James, you know, I've known James for quite a few years and I've, he's actually been in charge of talent acquisition teams in billion dollar companies, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of government contracts. He's been in charge of the recruiting for and the recruiting teams. He's, I've seen him hire like huge, what, 40 recruiters was like the largest that I personally yeah. saw. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, like the one thing, like I didn't know James at the time was folk, like really focused on diversity and inclusion and everything, but he always had a diverse team, whether it was naturally or whether it was designed. He tried bringing in so many different people from so many different worlds that could come together and work together. But in saying that, I know you kind of just like talked about how you, your journey into DEI happened, but was there a moment where it just clicked for you? Like, this is something that I have to do with my time here on this earth. Yeah, there was, uh, I was at a organization right after Accenture and they were, they, they were very disjointed. You know, this, the, the, the government contractors kind of method was to come in, buy a lot of companies and really just kind of slap their logo on it and just say, okay, send a check our way. But there was, it was hard to recruit because the individuals at those different locations never really felt connected. And one of the things that we were trying to do in helping them to feel connected was start essentially what was an ERG group, you know, so starting a women's 
group, starting a African-American group, a Latino and the LGBT group. And, and so in that effort, I, I spearheaded the, 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 the task to kind of write our diversity, equity, and inclusion kind of program and plan for the organization. And so, you know, I presented it to our HR team and, and they were very excited about it. I went and presented it to the board in New York for the organization and they were excited about it. And they were like, great, you can do that kind of on the side along with the rest of your job. And it's like, no, this, this isn't a side gig type of thing. You know, this is something that you need to, you know, it's a full-time role that, you know, managing all of the pieces and, and getting the best out of it is really a way. And I think that was really when I, I saw the one, the importance for the individuals that I was working with and trying to get this off the ground. But then it also saw kind of the, the corporate kind of conflict that it was creating with a lot of the executives and like, oh, we really like this because this would make us look good externally, but we're not going to really spend any money <laughs> on this. So we don't want to spend any capital. And so I, I think from that moment on, it really kind of, it became a, a, a idea or a passion for me to get executives to understand that, you know, talent and recruiting, diversity, equity, and inclusion is not just a kind of a, a, an indirect resource. You have to think of it as marketing. You have to think of it as business development. You have to think about, think of it in those same elsewhere, you're going to make an investment into something in order to see the fruits of it later. It's not an instant change that you're going to get. And so that kind of that really became kind of my mantra. And that's kind of how, you know, I started approaching my talent teams, which, you know, a lot of times, a lot of managers and a lot of executives weren't too happy about it. even a lot of HR people weren't real happy about kind of my approach because it was, you know, it, it, it was saying we're not, I wasn't saying that we're more special. We're just different. And it's just in it. If you don't utilize the tool that you have correctly, then it's not going to be an effective tool and you're not going to see the results out of it. And so that probably that point was my, my pivotal point of really understanding what I wanted to do and, and how I wanted to do it. And it was just more of figuring out the mechanism to get it done. So they loved your idea. They knew that it would help the bottom line, but they didn't even offer you a bit of a pay raise to help you do all this work that would have helped them out. It wouldn't, it, it wasn't not even a pay raise, not even a budget that that's, it was, I wasn't even asking for a pay raise. I, I would have done it for what I was doing. It, it was just more of like, I just, I just need some kind of a budget in order to do these things, you know, whether to go to the events, whether to do the marketing piece or, or whatever it was, it was just, they, they were like, no, no, show us, you know, show us what you can do for free. And then maybe we'll see on how big of that return on investment that we get out of nothing that will determine what money to give you. I'm like, like, look, I didn't, I didn't major in business, but I know it doesn't work that way. Well, that, that kind of goes into another question I have when you're looking at, you know, organizations, you know, DEI, does that fall under recruiting? Does it fall under marketing? Does it fall under HR? Does it fall under executive leadership? Where, like, I know everybody should be doing that, but where, where does this type of position fall under? 
That's, I, I, you know, I think that's the million dollar question. That's, that's a lot of times where I think organizations get stuck. I would, I would say that a DEI operation falls under your kind of operations for the company, kind of the similar where your HR team falls in line, which is usually reporting to your COO, which is the same place where your you know, marketing team typically falls unless you have a large company that has kind of a chief marketing officer. But I would, I would say that it falls under operations and can have connected dotted lines to the different organizations, whether it's talent, whether it's HR, whether it's marketing, but it needs to be in its own kind of bucket. You, you need to have the resources there because it's not one. It's a multitude of many, and you, you're, you aren't going to get the most bang for your buck if you're just limited to a certain area. If you're just saying, oh, it's talent acquisition. So the only thing we're really going to focus on DEI is, is when we're hiring people. Oh, that's great. But if you get in here and there's nothing going on for training, those people are going to stay. It's not going to be a situation where they are going to last long in this organization. So what are you going to do then? And now you have a retention problem. So, you know, now it does become an HR problem. Well, where's training lie? You know, it's like, okay, well now we need to go out and get more of these individuals. So what are we doing for marketing and branding? How are we promoting this? How are we pushing it out there? And it needs to be a broader thought about it than just what we typically do for building a talent strategy around DEI. You can have diversity recruiting and that's a piece of it, but for your whole DEI strategy, there needs to be a plan for that life cycle that it goes around from, from recruitment to training, to retention, to branding. And it, and it's, it's the circular thing. So you, you gotta have an organization that can hit all four of those areas at a minimum and you need somebody to kind of have a singular goal, singular focus to help organize that together. And that's, you know, whether it's a DEI director or a chief diversity officer, you got to have somebody that has a vision for where that piece is going to go that aligns to your business goals. I, I absolutely love that. And for the listeners, James has an amazing guest list lined up for the next few episodes. So since my background is on the recruiting side, I'm probably going to ask a little more of the recruiting questions. So in that case, like big, you know, I want to lead, lead that into my next question. Like, how do you attract and retain diverse talent? You know, the key is, is you have to go where they are. You know, there's no, there, there's no secret sauce really a lot of times when people talk about it, it's like, well, you know, we have to, you know, we, we have to do this or we only have to go to historically whatever minority or whatever area that you want to target, you know, universities or groups that you want to go to. It's like, it's understanding what do you want to hire? So if you're looking for engineers, okay, let's look everywhere for engineers and everywhere means not only at MIT and Harvard and, and, and all of the fun universities that everybody quote unquote think of as top tier, but going to a North Carolina A&T, 
which is the which is one of the 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 most highest accredited you know technology schools in the south from a historically black college i'm leaving out a bunch of them but that's you know that's that's one of those you know one of the there doing nesby you know, national society of black engineers sweet that the society of women engineers ship society of hispanic professional engineers you know going to those places and branding and marketing yourself as a employer of choice that's how you get people from a diverse background to come to you is that you go to diverse backgrounds and advertise yourself if you don't go there they don't know and and it becomes more of a of a thought pattern because everybody when everybody thinks of top tier talent they for whatever reason only think of quote unquote top tier schools and that's you know and and that's and that's one of one of my topics that we'll be covering kind of during the podcast is you know why are diverse university and colleges not considered in top tier schools like who who kind of created this top tier school echelon is it because it's the level of how hard it is to get into it you know that'll be one of the areas that we'll probably talk about now with the supreme court ruling in you know, how race doesn't play a part into the emissions aspect. And, you know, that's a double-edged sword of how they're getting into it because they've already shown that when you eliminate race in typical colleges or, or some of these, you know, in some of these universities, the numbers drop dramatically because of they, get, they, did, they eliminated race emissions but did not eliminate legacy emissions. So... Uh, my mom and dad and all of that, they get there. That person isn't qualified either, but because mom and dad, a brother went there or sister went there, they can get in. How is that any different? You know, so you, you, you have these things that people are competing with. And so I think this is going to be an opportunity for organizations to really kind of step up to show if what they want in their culture and their DEI programs is sincere, you'll see them rise to the top of this. You will see them going, making a large effort to reach out to these organizations. But it's the key is to go where the talent is and understand that there is, there's more talent than where you typically think that it, that it lies. And it's just broadening your, your, your perspective. So I, I got a question when it comes to, and I'll ask about the, uh, you know, keeping the talent in a second. Yeah. I know over the past few years, companies have publicly committed hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. to diverse initiatives. Yeah. But I'm also seeing that, that some of these companies, the diversity programs and diversity officers are getting let go or laid off or all that stuff. Like what's going on there? Yeah, that's... And, and it's and it's kind of where the money is going. A lot of that, those 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 large initiatives are going to to what I call to the to the to the show me products. It's going to show me what I'm doing because I can brand it out. And I'm saying that we are a uh, an employer of choice to these diverse universities or the, these diverse organizations and associations and. You know, they go to some of the events 
and it's really more of about just going out there. But it's, it's, it's uh, my best example is there is schools in a lot of inner cities still struggle with the educational kind of the, the quality of education within the school. But what you'll see cities doing is putting a brand new face on it, creating a brand new school. It looks not, it looks really nice. It looks amazing. And so what you have is a school that looks amazing on the outside, but when you get inside, there's still bad desks, there's still bad teachers, there's still the quality of education is not good. And so it gives them the appearance of doing well, but with no real intent on changing what's happening. And I think that's what you see in a lot of corporations and a lot of companies that have that high level of spin, but you don't see the outcomes um, that you would expect with that level of, of, of input into it. And a lot of times it's, and a lot of companies are doing a lot of great things. And I, and I don't want to make it sound like there are companies that, 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 that aren't truly kind of, you know, putting their money where their mouth, you know, where their mouth is. And from that standpoint, and there are companies out there that are making a change and making a difference in their communities and helping out individuals and going out to organizations. And those are extremely successful companies and they're doing well. But, you know, I think the, it's still our culture nowadays always still tends to look at what's the bad and what isn't working. And we push that to the forefront and we say just as a whole, it isn't working. But you know, it's, it, it, it is interesting and it's, and it's not a, it's not a coincidence that as soon as the Supreme Court ruling came out, I think there were at least four to five large companies that either their DEI person or, or chief diversity officer left or the programs kind of ended and, and kind of went away from there. And so it's, it's a, it's an interesting coincidence. And that's what I was kind of like leading towards was, you know, all of a sudden I saw these high level people doing a lot of good magically like exiting. Right. And for the, for the listeners, you know, one of the things James is excited about is sharing these stories of what's working with, you know, leaders are, are actually making it happen and how they are actually making it happen. So definitely stay tuned for those episodes. Yes, absolutely. And, and, you know, a lot of episodes are, and we're going to reach out and do a lot of, a lot of kind of you know, non-typical episodes is where I have, there, I have a, a young man who's going to come in and talk about kind of critical race theory and hip hop and how it connects. So I'm very excited to, to talk to him. You know, we want to talk about mental health and diversity, you know, discussing how the impacts of diversity related stressors on mental health and kind of exploring strategies for supporting the well-being of individuals who have that. You know, we want to talk about uh, global perspectives on DEI gender equality or gender equity, and obviously DEIB in tech and the technology around DEIB. I think those are, those are going to be great conversations that we're going to, going to have and, and going on from there. And then obviously we're going to have, you know, a lot of fun talking about the talent aspect of it, talent management acquisition and everybody's favorite metrics and measurements, because that is the true key for anything that is DEIB, because if you can't measure it and show improvement, then it's just, 
what we're seeing, hundreds of millions of dollars being spent and still the same hiring ratio, retention ratio is still, you're, you're not getting any change. So you got to be able to show what you're doing. Well, James, I got to ask you a question. Yeah. What is one of the most exciting things that, what is one of the things that you're excited about with this podcast? I'm excited, one, about meeting and talking to these people. These are people that I have either came across in my journeys or I've seen, whether it be LinkedIn or whether it's read some of their books or, and I'm excited, one, just to talk to them, just to have these conversations with them, to, to kind of ask them questions. And I'm excited to bring it to a, a larger audience so that everybody can kind of experience, everybody has their own thoughts about it, but I want to make it a little bit, a little bit more unique rather than just kind of your typical, Hey, we're going to tell, we're going to tell you how to do diverse recruiting. We're going to, we're going to train you on the appropriate ways to interview. We're going to teach you how to not be unconsciously biased about everything <laughs> to go from there. So you know, I, I want to be able to make it something that's a little bit more interesting, a little bit more entertaining, but still insightful and innovative and, and new for everybody. And, and that's something I think selfishly, it's a way for me to kind of let my voice grow and, and talk about these things that I'm really passionate about and I'm really excited about to, to, to talk with everybody about. So this is just like, Forward vision thinking. Yeah. If you can make a huge impact within the diversity space, diversity inclusion space, yeah. what impact would that be? If, honestly, and it may sound a little bit kind of cliche, but if I can help an individual you know, find a place that they feel comfortable being able to grow, develop their career in that they either didn't think was possible or didn't think it was out there to help a company, whether it's small or large, you know, create safe spaces and areas for diverse individuals to, to come in and grow and develop and be a part of a you know, people will say, be a part of a winning team or a winning organization that everybody is doing what they enjoy and everybody is reaping the benefits of that. You know, for so long, I think I was always told a lot of times that, you know, you can't do that or you shouldn't do that or eh, you shouldn't try to do that or that's, that's not something that, that, that you would probably do well at. And I think for a lot, for, for a long part of my life, I listened to that because that's kind of how it was unfortunately kind of indoctrinated in, you know, is that, you know, I can, if I work real hard, I'll do those things that I can do, but there is a, there's a level of where your hard work is only going to take you this, this higher level of thinking and dreaming that's for other people. And I think what I want to give back to everybody is that that's for you. Everybody has their, their hopes and dreams that they want to do. And it, you know, somebody may be listening to it. That's in a job that is not necessarily their job that they want to do. So how do I break out? How do I find that? How do I, how do I go from there? I feel like I'm being, you know, put down or 
cast aside in my organization and and I don't feel like I have a chance to stand up or do something. And so to give them a voice to believe that, hey, you know, you don't have to take that. Here are the things that you can do to work to figure out a new path for you. And maybe some of these people have different paths that would fit those individuals. And so I think large scale, that's that's what I would love. And it's and it's really coming down to, you know, helping, helping people. And it's and, and I think at, in the end, that's what we all want in some aspect is that we really just want to help people do better. That's that's it. That's it. I absolutely love that. And, you know, you, you're definitely going to do that with this podcast. You, you never know the person that's on the other side listening and what they're going to get out of it and how it's going to help them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, I Hey, I look at you and I watch and I watch your podcast and I am constantly amazed, like the amount of information that you are always sharing and you're giving, you're giving tips out to everybody on a constant basis. There's, there's so much that you could just keep and just do for yourself, you know, but, but it's, it's inspiring to see you always sharing. And that's, and that's something that you know, you know, I love in you and, and, and I appreciate from you. And that's been something that, you know, I model my podcast after yours is just that ability to just share information and to be open about it and to be a place that people can come and just share ideas and, and figure out, you know, how to solve problems. Because I, I think that's our, one of the things in this country that we just, we, we stopped doing was that we stopped solving problems. We talk about it a lot, but we, we don't solve them anymore. And I think we, one of the things that will help us overall is that if we actually get back to figuring out and coming up with solutions for the problems. Well, first of all, before I say anything else, thank you for saying that, James. And kind of going to that thought, it's, it's so easy to kick a door down than it is to actually build a door. Right. And every single episode of this podcast, James, is you helping build that door. Absolutely. That'll be open for people. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it, man. So I, I, I appreciate that. So I'm excited. I'm excited to get this thing going. We're going to get these guests coming on board and, and it'll be a good time. It's going to be a good time. I'm excited to hear the people's responses. And that's, and that's another thing I'm, I'm looking for feedback from individuals or people who they think they would, they would love to have as a guest on the show. Please you know, let, let me know. Tell me we'll, we'll contact out, we'll reach out to them and, and we'll get them on board. So it's, I'm here learning along with everybody else. That's the biggest thing. Well, James, I know we're about ready to wrap up, but super excited that I was able to help you with your, your first real episode and can't wait to see the progression, the guests and the stories that you're going to be sharing. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much for, for helping this. This has been an amazing journey and I can't wait to, to continue it. And then we'll definitely have you back on for more because, you know, we, we could probably sit in and do this for hours on, on hours on end <laughs> and whether or not they just want to listen to us talk. <laughs> it's so good. So, well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Breaking Barriers. This is the podcast where we shatter ceilings, challenge norms, and inspire change. The stories we will share will hopefully spark a fire within you to keep pushing boundaries, challenging prejudices, and amplifying the voices that go unheard. Remember, diversity is a tapestry that weaves us together. Inclusion is the thread that ensures that every voice is heard, and equity is the foundation that empowers us all to thrive. 
So let's weave a future where everyone's stories matters. That's precisely why we encourage you, our listeners, to join us on this journey. Please share this podcast, this episode with your friends, colleagues, and loved ones. And stay tuned for more thought-provoking episodes and a lot more fun as we leave no barrier unbroken here on Breaking Barriers. Take care. Thank you for listening and joining us on Breaking Barriers, conversations on DEIB and talent. Stay tuned for more episodes as we continue to challenge norms, amplify diverse voices, and celebrate the power of inclusion. Together, let's shape a world where everyone's talents are recognized and celebrated. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider liking, subscribing, and leaving a review. Your support helps us reach more listeners and continues to bring you thought-provoking content. 